Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moore. So this week on the podcast, we have Liam Burke. Liam is an actor based in Dublin who you'll probably know best from his role in Positive Discrimination, an absolutely beautiful film that is currently being shown on transatlantic flights by Aer Lingus and has been seen by millions and millions of people. Liam was also nominated for the Best Actor Award at the LA Short Film Awards, and this is one of my favourite episodes of all time. Guys, I hope you really enjoy the Liam Burke episode of Personality Bingo with Tom Ward. Let's play personality bingo with Tom Moran. Hello, Tom. How are you? I'm good, Lee. All right, let's do it. So I'll give you a quick explainer of what we're going to do. Yeah. So I'm going to put 60 minutes on the clock. I've got 60 balls in here and yeah. 60 questions in front of me. Right. So within those 60 minutes, we're going to roll the bingo machine. Whatever number comes out, I'll ask you the corresponding question. Yeah. Uh, I've also drawn out five numbers for you here on your little bingo card. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to let you pick your sixth number. Uh, and if one of them numbers comes out, you just cross it off and we answer the question no matter what. So, right, su- yeah. super simple. So, it's basically okay. you answering questions. All right. That, that's all. Can I ask you, are they general knowledge or? No, they're pretty much, they're all kind of like anecdotal. So, I'll give you like, it could be, it could be like, I'll just read something off. Like, one question is, what was the last thing you ate? The other question could be, like, how do you feel about your hometown? You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's kind of just, we just have the chats. All right. It's very relaxed. And, uh, okay, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll see how it goes. I left yeah. you so in the dark. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. It's not asking me, you know, what's the highest mountain in the world. No. Yeah. Do you know what it is? What? Well, it's, uh, it, well, it's Everest, but there's the other one as well, something 2 or something. Oh, like. yeah, there's K2. And then there's apparently one underwater that they say is actually higher, but because it's below sea level, it doesn't count. Yeah, it's one of the islands in the Pacific, I think. It comes it? up, uh, yeah. It's one you of see, the, if this was general knowledge, you'd be really good at it too. <laughs> <laughs> I'd prefer general knowledge, really. Would you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, there's a story about a guy, and he, he kept saying, you know, ask me, wh- ask me what River London is on. If you know, he wants the questions, he needs yeah. the answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, these are all, you. You will know yeah. all the answers for reasons. But um, I actually had the um, the first time. Um, who wants to be a millionaire was one in the UK. Yeah, I actually had the answer to the final, the, the million dollar question. You were watching it live, and you knew. Yeah, I, I knew the answer. Wow. It was uh, and from a movie, The Lion in Winter. It asked you, um, oh God, uh, oh God, I can't even remember the question now. But yeah, it was, yeah. um, it was Henry the Second's wife, and it was played by Catherine Hepburn, and oh. um, uh, and. And so it asked who she, I can't remember her name now, I was imagining, I mean, sure. Yeah. Uh, but it asked, uh, who was she married to? Richard I, Richard II, Henry I, or Henry II. Ah. And um, Peter O'Toole, I think, played, um, yeah, or it's either Richard Harris or Peter O'Toole played Henry II. In wow. The, yeah, and so I knew. Um, and just from the from plays, Catherine O'Briganza was married to who? All right, Charles II. Okay, I wouldn't <laughs> have known, I wouldn't have known. No, but I know that from a play. Yeah. You know, Sammy, you pick up, Bits and pieces, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, this knowledge, if you know what I mean, really. It could have been you. You could have been the millionaire. (laughs) No, no, but she got all the other questions. Yeah, well, that's true. Which I I probably wouldn't have got, yeah. Yeah, it is some skill and that pressure. Yeah. That was actually a good show. No, it's still on, but it's not as popular as it was. But the woman who won it actually said that they focused on 
fastest finger. Yeah. You had to get into the seat first, so that was the first thing oh. you had to worry about. The questions you could handle if you got there, but you had to get... Oh. Uh, and the big thing was be very quick on the pad for the four answers, I think, they asked you. That's so interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah. Of course, that's how you got in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, um, yeah. Um, yeah, so unless you could do that, there was no point you know, in being good point, at the rest you of wouldn't, it. You wouldn't, get, even if you knew everything. You yeah. Know, you could say, you could be sitting in the wrong chair. Yeah. And say, no, oh, I knew that, I knew that, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. Well, the good news is that this game is much easier than he wants to be a millionaire. The bad news is that you have no possibility of winning any money. <laughs> <laughs> the best you can win is ask me a question and I'll answer. Okay, that's, yeah, but, I'm planning on that. But I mean, yeah. my, my secrets are priceless, so, <laughs> you know. All right, come here. So I'm going to give you the five numbers. Would you okay. do me a favour and would you read out the five numbers that I've already given you on mic there? Um, 25, mm-hmm. 38, 22 and 47. Brilliant. And would you pick a six number between one and 60, any number? Between one and 60, okay, yeah. um, seven. Number seven. Is there a reason? Is that like a lucky number or anything? No, not really. Actually, five is kind of my lucky number. But my aunt used to say that seven was a magic number for some reason. Really? It does. You can do things with sevens. Ah. Well, I always thought nine was a magic number in the sense that the number always adds up to nine. You know, nine, 18, 27. They all add up to nine Mm. and 36, whatever. You go on. Yeah. So all the multiples of nine, if you add them together, add up to nine. Oh, whoa. <laughs> I never knew that. I was totally lost with you for a second. What are you talking about? That's mad. Yeah, yeah. That's very good. Right. Okay, but we picked, what did you pick? You went for number seven. Seven. All right. Hey. Let's Again, see. that's the number I picked. Yeah. yeah so, right. yeah. Well, let's see. Okay, so I'm going to, okay, we have our 60 minutes on the clock. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Okay. Let's go. So, first number is number, it's number 30. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've, I've you have it. Yes. Whoa, you can click that off so. Right. Liam, this is a very promising start. <laughs> I'm shaking <laughs> in my boots. No, no, okay. Okay, uh, all right. Uh, well, well, congratulations. Um, right. Oh, what an interesting question for you as well. No, 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 question number 30. What is your most treasured relationship with someone over the age of 65? My God, that's a difficult question. I over know. the age of 65. In. Um, you're also our first guest who is over the age of 65. Yeah, yeah, is that um, I'm trying to think who I know over 65. I mean, I've always got on with older people. Yeah. Is that um, my grandmother's really. And I happen to know, I think apparently she was the last living descendant of Grainne Whale. Mm. Her name was Grace O'Malley as well, but she wasn't a bit like you think of <laughs> the Irish rebel. <laughs> <if you know. laughs> she was brought up very prim and proper. Her father was a doctor in London and three sisters, none of them married, and she was the last one living. And she moved then to Uchtarard and she was a friend of a grand-aunt of mine. And so we used to go to the pictures together in the Astoria picture. So in a way, I suppose, yeah, she's the one I would think about. I mean, I'm over 65 myself. But I feel like you've got a lot of, like, your circles seem to be quite young, like younger Um, than you. Yes, that's true. Um, Because you're the most youthful person in their 70s I've ever met in my life okay thank you very much yeah, genuinely you, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Well, no, well, that's, so I'm trying to think now okay who is the closest person over 65 um, I suppose my aunt uh, who's the only one who lives she's alive by marriage Her, she's from Donegal she's living in Galway in the west of Ireland and she's in her 80s. Mm. But I remember her, and we, she loves me for this. 
I remember her when she looked like Jackie Onassis. She arrived at our house the first time I met her, and I didn't realize there's not that much between us. She's, uh, I mean, at the time it seemed like maybe she was 28 and I was 14, and at the time it seemed like a huge difference. Mm. But um, no, she looked like Jackie Onassis, and um, I won't tell you the story, but she was out to impress. She had a white suit, white blouse, white tights white shoes and a little hat that's similar to Jackie Onassis. Really? And so she's very pleased that somebody, she's an old lady now, like the yeah. rest of us are becoming, but it's nice to know somebody remembers you looking like Jackie Onassis. Oh, for sure. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, great. Yeah, so, and yeah, she's, uh, her name is Celia McDonough and she lives at Benown in Ballyconeely. Amazing. Yes, so there you are. Wow, awesome, great answer. Now we're off the bat, you got one out of one. This is amazing. Okay, let's see how we do. Okay, all right, all right. Let's see what else we got. Okay, number two, we have number 38. No, I don't have 38. Okay, well, that's calming me now. That's very good. Uh, okay, question is, how do you feel about the phrase, everything happens for a reason? It's, um, well... I do understand it, and I do think it's true, but maybe everything happens for a reason, no matter what it is, is that um, one of my sons was telling me, he said, if you went back to being young, the only way you could guarantee you'd be still alive at the age you are is by doing exactly the same as you had done. Because if you did something varied on it, you could have had an accident or yeah. you could have died or something in the meantime. Um, I think things that happen to us are lessons to be learned. And if we learn them, and I've been a very slow learner, so I, I'm glad I'm the age I am because I needed this length of time to learn <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, when the thing has happened for the 10th time, you're thinking, how did this happen? <laughs> I've done, you know, I've done this 10 times. And yeah. you think, I learned the lesson, okay. And of course, the next time it happens, you know, you're, anyway, whether it's buying something or, been cajoled into doing something that you're doubtful about. Now I actually try very hard to say no, is that, no, I have a bad feeling about it, I don't think it's going to work, because inevitably you're right. Mm. But so you, you only can do that if you've learned from the previous time that you were conned or you got into something that you preferred you hadn't got into. Yeah. So, and yeah. are they the kind of things, like what kind of things, like what are the, the patterns that like you find yourself repeating? Like? Well, I mean, as an actor doing things for nothing, I mean, really, is right. that, I mean, it's always that everyone will promise you a profile. I mean, it doesn't pay the rent, you yeah. know what I mean, really? And so, and also, I used to be in the restaurant business yeah. and, and, and I had my own restaurant for a while and if 10 people arrived at 11 o'clock, you were thinking, you know, that's business. And so you would let them in. They're the most difficult customers you can find. So I learned that lesson. Mm. Uh, if they come late, we're closed. Ah. And because they're never worth the bother that they go to. If they, if they were customers that you were going to get on well with, they would have been there at 10 o'clock. You understand me? They wouldn't be pushing, looking for more. And they're always the ones that complain or they send stuff back or the price is too high for them. Or, you know, um, do you take credit cards? Or And the credit card is not giving any money or right. all this so that's one lesson mm. is um, if people are not in line just say sorry computer says no <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> no is that there would be more bother yeah. recently I I'd love to direct at the moment and I've done some directing but not enough and somebody was tempting me with a directing thing and the other there was alarm bells going off and I thought 
no. So I um, decided I couldn't do it. Right. Yeah, because it would be hell. It would just good. wouldn't work out right. Yeah, good. They talk about that, the power of no. Because I think it's right. When you start saying no, then your time becomes more valuable to people as well. Yeah, but and you're valuing your own time. Yeah. It really. Yeah, I suppose they're synonymous. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing everything for nothing, you have no value on yourself. Yeah. I was in the catering business, and I remember in I was working in Cosberg as catering manager, and they... Um, they it was costing them more to, uh, to keep account of the money we were taking in the canteen. Mm. And so they wanted to wipe it, say, give it free. And I wouldn't have it. Because if people get something for free, there's no appreciation of it. Mm. There's no value on it. So even if somebody only pays 50 cents for a meal, at least they pay 50. And so there was a value on it. Yeah. Um, I went to Australia afterwards and there was free smorgasbords, prawns and smoked salmon and all sorts of very expensive stuff and when people the workers came in the beginning they were amazed and said this is marvellous whatever and but the, after six weeks they were used to it and mm. so I remember seeing one guy take three T-bone steaks just take the fillet eye out of it and throw the rest away because he didn't have to pay for it wow you know so we don't value uh, and Irish people I think value uh, sometimes when I ran a restaurant I think I was too cheap mm. if it's something is expensive there is the aura about it that it must be good. Yeah. Yeah, and if it's cheaper, you think, uh, but it, it's not always true. If you have, you know, even wines, Lidl, if you check out Lidl wines or check out any of the cheaper wines, you can get as good a wine if you just investigate as something that's costing you three times as much. Yeah. You know, so it isn't the label or the price. Yeah, very good. Very good. This is great. This is brilliant. All right. <laughs> I'm having great fun here. This is so easy. All right, here we go. Uh, number number 21. No, 22 I have. Oh, okay, close. All right, number 21. Question is, ah, here you go. What's your opinion on Dwayne The Rock Johnson? I don't know anything about him. I know he's a big guy and he's on Baywatch at the moment and yeah. he's got slammed. And uh, um, the one person that I would admire... Um, you know, for these beef eatery types, yeah. is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Is that he has done so well. I remember seeing when he was just a bodybuilder, he was talking to, uh, it was a program on him, I think, really, and this is a long, long time ago, and uh, it was a competition coming on, and he was showing you how he psyched the competition. He said, at this level, <laughs> we're all the bloody same. Mm. And so he would psych the other contestants, <laughs> and he'd win. Because he was the confident one, and he had shattered their confidence. Just what, a what's bit. do you remember what sort of stuff he did, or what he was well, saying? Well, uh, you know, drop remarks about like, um, you know, your muscle is twitching there. <laughs> 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 but something like that, he would go for the main opposition and psych them. It's mad that the size of them men, but they could be as sensitive to something as oh, small oh, you like know, that. You're kidding me. Yeah, yeah, of course they're more sensitive. Probably. Yeah. Well, there's they're more. Yeah. Vi- uh, well, image conscious mm. because they, w- I mean, the want the work they go into doing to look like they look mm. is so you, yeah, you're a perfectionist and you're determined, and so yeah, you can be, you know, shattered very easily, yeah. You know? Um, and yeah, I would think they're not that confident that they it, it's the slob walking down the street with, yeah, with the baseball cap turned backwards. Who is very confident because he doesn't give a shit. Yeah, really. yeah. That's the second time I've used that word. I don't know if you've got to Oh, fucking say what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. grand. But you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he doesn't care. Yeah. 
Yeah, the guy comes in looking absolutely divine. You think, my God, the effort he went to mm. look like that. Mm. You know. Yeah, you're right. I won't pick anybody. Yeah, <laughs> all present company excluded. Of course, <laughs> of course, we're very sure of ourselves. Yeah. Oh, we are. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's why we're actors. Yeah. Well, exactly. It's part of it, isn't it? <laughs> Trying to be anyway. All right, here we go. Uh, number forty-nine. Do you have that one? I don't. Forty-seven. Okay. Oh, we're getting close. You're getting, you're doing all right. Number forty-nine. Um, have you or sorry, have you or would you ever attend a fortune teller? Um, I have been to a fortune teller and I actually have been a fortune teller. Yeah. What? Yeah. Is that um, I was in Margate in Kent once and um, I, the girl I was with wanted to go into the fortune teller and she, um, with my view, told her a whole lot of rubbish. And it was summer. I had a moustache. I was 19. And um, so my girlfriend was trying to persuade me to um, to go and have it I said to the fortune teller I said I'll believe anything you tell me if you tell me where I'm from and she looked at me and paused and looked at me again you're definitely from the east probably from Egypt is what she said <laughs> are you serious <laughs> but I did look dark and, right. and I was you know I'm grey now but I was very dark black hair and so so I didn't believe but no I got Oh no! This is an awful long story. Oh no! Go for uh, it. We've okay, got time. Like is that um, I went? I was in the hotel business. I went to London um, just after graduating, mm. and I, um, I for some reason or other, I ended up mixing with a very laudy dog crowd. Is that they, you know, they worked as secretaries in the hotel or something or other like that, and uh, you'd end up in these big country houses and um, you know I still had a Tipperary accent and mm. couches on my shoes almost but I found <laughs> out that if you sat in the kitchen and said you read hands all the girls lined up so you got to meet all the girls you no just, way. yeah so it was and in the beginning it was total con I'm absolutely it was a con but my grandmother in Connemara had told me that I had a gift I could read tea leaves and things when I was six or seven so I thought that oh, maybe she was right. So, but something happened. It's like there was stuff coming out of my mouth that I didn't know where it was coming from. It was like you told their hand and you just got the lines, and it was like there was a connection between their hand, your hand, and your mouth, not your brain. Mm. And apparently, I was quite successful. But um, the um, the reason I stopped doing it is that one time I came I was back in Dublin and I was on Grafton Street. And I walked from Stevens Green and I'm full of the joys of spring, really happy. And by the time I got to Trinity, I was suicidal. And I'm thinking, what happened? I mean, and I think if you open yourself up to that kind of thing is that you pick up vibes from everyone you're passing and you have no control of what's picking up or whatever. So mm. I shut it down, really, is that I, I said, I, I mean, I do it for laugh now and again and whatever, but it's a laugh. It's back to you know, knowing nothing. It's not anything, you know, kind of, you know, um, out there or strange or anything. Yeah. But, um, no, I think if you open yourself up too much, actors, I think, sometimes can have the same problem in that um, mm. you get into another character and um, um, and some people can abandon it. I mean, y you've seen people in the wings in the play and they're chatting away like mad and then it's always my turn and they'll walk out and they'll suddenly be Prince Charming or whoever mm -hmm. they're supposed to be. But there's other people who can't do that. They want two minutes quiet before they go on stage and to get into the role. So um, 
you have to be careful, I think, really. I know, yeah. yeah. And and when with the, that's just so fascinating. So and was it a difficult thing for you to when you made the decision that oh, I need to shut this down because it's actually not healthy? Yeah, it, it wasn't really because I felt I didn't want to be suicidal. I didn't want to be picking up vibes of people that. I didn't know or whatever. And was it just that you could see their rea- like you had a sense of their realities and the difficulty? No, I didn't even know who they were. It's seriously, you're like picking up. It's almost you see, if you talked about somebody uh, to somebody two hundred years ago and said you could watch a match live, mm. yeah, from New York in Dublin, they'd think you were off your trolley. Mm. And so there's radio waves and television waves and all of that stuff. We don't know what other waves there are around. I mm. mean, gravity, they don't know what it is, and they're trying to investigate it, and it's phenomenal what they're finding out, really, is that... So we live in a world we don't... You know, we look at, you know, an insect or a cat or... And, you know, we think they're not aware of their, in, you know, their existence. Mm. But we're not aware either. Mm. We're not aware of all the influences even, uh, uh, that are happening, which are, you know, invisible. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have mood changes sometimes and you wonder, what caused that? Why did I go from bump to bump? And... Um, Sometimes it's to do with a place, I think, and sometimes it's to do with a person. Sometimes it's just a thought you have, mm. and so that can bring you down. So that's self-inflicted. But mm. sometimes, you know, you go to a house, and one house, and it feels warm and friendly, or, or you go to another house, you think, Jesus, let me out here quick. There's something. I don't know if you feel that. You know? Yeah, no, I do. And, like, so would it be... Sorry, I'm, this is just so interesting. Yeah. I, it, it, like, it, and, like, so would to go one step further, like, would you... Do you think it's like a paranormal kind of a thing? Oh, yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. No, I think it's a normal thing, but we just don't know about it. Sure, okay. Yeah, is that, I, um, I read recently, is that they, mathematically they found out that there's 11 dimensions in the brain. I don't know what 11 dimensions means. I mean, there's height, width, and whatever, um, length, you know. Mm. And so we know, we understand three dimensions. Mm-hmm. But if mathematically you can create an 11-dimensional thing, what does it look like? I mean, can we imagine it? Yeah. I mean, and what is it? Or yeah. is it actually there? Yeah. Um, so there's a whole lot of stuff going on that we don't know. Like, I'm a firm believer, sorry, in mm. that you can, you may not be able to cure yourself fully, but I do think if you get an illness that there are ways that you can, first of all, I would change my diet, maybe even change my location, change the people who are in my life, if they any negativity at all. Because I think negativity creates diseases, is mm. that, and uh, and I think you can get rid of them. Mm. I mean, and um, you may not fully succeed, and uh, but I mean, you're saying I'm, you know, f- young for my years and whatever. But I think that's a mental thing. Yeah, is and I think partly the reason is that you have to keep alive. It's very. I had sciatica a few years ago, and I couldn't walk properly, and then I ended up walking with a stick, and it was. Hilarious, really, in that mm. you go to the supermarket and kind people come up and say, Can I walk around with you and hold your basket? And it was really nice. And people in the street I live in and all of that kind of stuff were treating me really nice. I could quite easily have fallen into the little old man with the sticks <laughs> 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 and, and comfortably, you know what I mean? And mm. no, I thought, No, not yet. Yeah. yeah. So, and I worked hard as being able to stride out, if you know what I mean, sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, 
Yeah, I think you can. Yeah, but there you go. You know, this choice is offered. Yeah, and last question. This is just super interesting. You know, when you said that when you were six or seven, and your granny was like, "Oh, you've the gift." Yeah. And with the tea leaves, like, how did she come to that? No, we she to have us reading tea leaves. She lived in a, a, a little quaint old cottage. It's a ruin now, unfortunately. Is that quaint little when and you go back, it's tiny. But in my memory, it was quite big. Yeah. And um, they'd be they'd we had tea leaves, four tea bags, and. Uh, so you'd swirl the tea leaves around, uh, you know, the left in the bottom of the cup, uh, no strainers in the arse and the Connemara at that mm. time. And, um, and the tea leaves would form a shape and she'd ask, say, read them. And uh, what do you see? And you'd see images and you'd see things like that. And wow. Wow. Okay, wait, I said last question, I lied. <laughs> did you ever, when you were doing the hands and when you said that you actually did develop yeah. that connection between yeah. the hand, the hand and the mouth, did you ever have to... Did you ever find yourself filtering if you actually felt some negativity in their life, or like, you know, or did you ever have to be like, I can't tell them that, or like, what kind of stuff were you generally saying? I have to people? absolutely sometimes refused to read somebody's hand. Really, I've said no, I can't do it. Is that, um, and it, it, you can use any excuse, um, and you and you try not to pass it back to them. You say, um, you know, I just prefer not to do it, or we have no connection, or something, and um, the um, yeah. Uh, um, I, I I probably lied sometimes as well, to be quite honest. I mm. mean, it began off lying, to be honest. I mm. mean, reading hand lines. I mean, what, you know, yeah, we'll we'll should hold hands. Yeah. To see what communicate. <laughs> what to see? What to see? Am I all right? <laughs> yeah. You know, but anyway, is that no? I I actually read my own life lines sometimes. Really? I, yeah. And um. And has it been accurate for? Yeah. Well, I've uh, all right. I don't know. Th- if it's true or not, the left hand is supposed to not change. The left hand is supposed to be what you're given, and the right hand is what you're doing with it, and it changes. Mm. If you just check a line on your right hand mm. now, and check it in a week's time, say mm. just one line, you know, just that's specific, or it ends somewhere, or it's a certain length, and see if it has changed mm. in in a week or something. Yeah, and uh, because I think your right hand does change. You know. Interesting. That is the most fascinating thing I think I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> this is the best. All right, let's go again. Okay. <laughs> I'm having fun. Are you doing all right? Yeah, I'm having fun. Good, yeah, good, yeah. good, good. Okay, number 20. No, we still don't have it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You, see, you started well. Not many people get it that early, so you're still doing all right. All right, number 20. Um, ha- have you ever emigrated? Oh, my God, yes. I'm a, yeah. Yeah. I have emigrated a lot, yeah. Is that I've been to the UK twice, Um and I've been to Australia three times. I've been to New Zealand twice, and I've been to Canada. Mm. And I actually lived in all those places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah. And what's the what's the thing that keeps bringing you back home? Um, seeing a picture of the Hapney Bridge. Really, <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> With the tricolour over the four courts or something. Or yeah, more or less. Yeah. Always. Well, actually. The, the, I'm so glad I'm back in Dublin now. But uh, career-wise, definitely, is that all the other returns to Dublin were a mistake. I mean, career, you come back here and you think it was bad somewhere else and it's shite. I mean, it's really bad here. Yeah. And um, I am... Um, yeah, it's, it, I'm glad I'm home. Is that I mean, things happen to you in other countries. Uh, I mean, and people feel that you don't have a right to have an opinion because you're born in Ireland. And I mean, I've been actually dismissed uh, having an argument with somebody once, and he said, where'd you come from? 
in an Aussie accent, and uh, I said, um, I heard it, ah, fuck, he said, what am I doing arguing with a stupid Irishman? Really? Yeah, I mean, you do get that, and it's gone worse, really, in a way. It's the, yeah, um, wow. and so I, but uh, to be honest, is that um, at, I was born in a town, and then I, at, f at four I moved, and then I, at 16 I moved, and then I came to, so, when people ask me where I come from, I come from Ireland, really, and um, I don't, you know, is Thurless was the town I spent, you know, like from four until sixteen, so that's eleven years. But I've been twenty-five years in Dublin. Now. It's amazing. I can't believe that nineteen ninety-two. God, it's that's nineteen ninety-two. Is that that's thirty years ago, isn't it? Yeah. yeah oh no, it's not. It's no, twenty-five. Twenty-five years ago, I came back. I stopped traveling, but twenty-five years ago. Wow. And um, I know, I, I mean, I you go on holidays and stuff now, but I don't live anywhere anymore. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, I like Dublin and yeah, I'm a culture, but I love Dublin. Really. Yeah, it's my favorite city and I've been in a few of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, really. yeah. that's great. So, yeah. Good, good, good. Brilliant. All right, here we go. So number 22. We got number 22. Yeah. Wow. You're doing very well, just comparatively. I okay. But like, not, not yeah, many people yeah, get see, to. I, I'm kind of. You don't see my hand. Are you Pam reading? <laughs> 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 okay. Yeah, controlling the ball. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, number twenty-two. Right. Question is, um, what would the title of your autobiography be? What am I doing tomorrow? What am I doing tomorrow? That's great. That's a great. That's a great title. Yeah, but no, I did have an image, and I don't drive anymore. And uh, it's the whole thing about licenses and whatever. And I didn't want to have to take a test again. Mm. But I had this image of um, ending up in a camper van and waking up on the day I die, not quite sure where I was heading that day. Um, and that kind of idea, if you know what I mean, that well. you weren't bound to anywhere. Um, I remember once hitching. Before they built all these motorways, I was hitching from um, Galway to Limerick. And um, it wasn't the busiest road. And um, actually, there probably weren't many cars on the road either. This is 64. And so, and I was with an American. We were both hitching. And we were spent hours. And he said, ah, shit to this. And all he, he said, I'm going to Dublin. And all he had to do was walk around the corner for the Dublin road. Mm. And I thought the freedom of that, to be able to switch you understand me? Yeah. You were heading for Limerick and that didn't work out. Mm -hmm. So you can go to Dublin. And I thought, isn't that amazing? You know, really. Yeah, um, and so I kind of, I wouldn't say I've lived like that, but I've done that occasionally. You know what I mean? Mm. Really. And I do it more now, really. In yeah. That, you know, I, I have a bus pass. I can decide to go to Cork or Belfast <laughs> any day and it doesn't blow the budget. Yeah. You know I mean? That's amazing, really, actually, isn't it? Yeah. And do you no, find... Yeah, it's you a, it is amazing. And do you... Do you choose to do that often? Yeah, I do. Yeah, fairly often. Yeah, it's great. And uh, yeah, it's great. It's and wait, tell me about that image. That was that was a really beautiful image of the caravan and and the. the so what was it? How did that vi image come to you? Was it a dream or? No, no, no. I just. Um, I suppose I learned to drive, and I was a late learner to drive. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm a slow learner. Okay. Really, is that I? Um, it takes me a while to realize what I really want to do and um, how to, you know. Um, there are sometimes I think you have to spend most of your life to unload the stuff that you've picked up as as a younger person. 
you know, they say, you know, give me the child and he's seven, I'll give you the man. I mean, if you understand me. Mm. And we don't know what happened to us between zero and seven. If And so, but you're suffering. The consequences is that, you know, you're... You may have upset somebody, you, you know, for various reasons. And so I think to discover actually who you are as a core person, and we're trained not to. We're trained to do what our mommy tells us, to do what the teacher tells you. Um, and even the education system here is teaching you to learn by rote. It doesn't teach you how to think. Mm. And so you have to, first of all, learn how to think or to find out what do you like. I actually think foreign people or non-Irish people sometimes, I mean, that's it's a huge statement, mm. but sometimes have less garbage to throw off than uh, Irish people do. Mm. That may be just because uh, I know the Irish better or whatever. Mm. But there seems to be, uh, Canadian kids are taught how to think. Yeah, they don't care what their grades are or whatever until they're 12. Mm. And uh, they're way behind European kids until 12 and at 12 they're up to the same level wow. but they haven't been taught by rote or although I like rote I mean I love to know seven times tables things like that da 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 yeah. if you understand me yeah. some of it I like Yeah. but the concept to train you how to think I think is important mm, that's really interesting yeah it's you really know, interesting yeah, but you throw off um, you know some people are very lucky but some people have had such bad mm childhoods um that it's difficult to throw off yeah you know i mean here we are in a lovely studio with mics and we're wondering what we're having for dinner or whatever and so but an awful lot of people don't have those privileges mm -hmm. it is a privilege you know, yeah do you think you can ever throw throw all that away or do you think there'll always be some i'd write you a note on my dead last day and say <laughs> i did learn it all last week <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how do you know <laughs> yeah, no, you're, right. Yeah, you're right you're right you're right yeah well yeah well, tell me about that though again you said when that the, you the, of the of the deathbed and the the, the the camper van was it Oh no, camper van. Yeah, in, and it was a camper van, really. Is that it may have started off is that I didn't learn to drive until I was 29. And it was, um, I, I'm not telling you all the stories, but um, I, I couldn't drive. And, and I got a van cheap around the corner, but I couldn't drive. Right. But I needed transport. And, um, and so then I did learn to drive it. And I did a bit of camping with my family and stuff like that. And, I thought, no, this isn't a bad way to live eventually. So that would have given me the concept. If, uh, um, and it's quite funny. I hate camping now. I think of all the discomforts of camping yeah. now, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have to bring all this stuff and the weather could be terrible, and you know. Um, so it's not that attractive anymore. But um, the, um, yeah, the idea was to buy a camper van, retire, buy a camper van and start and it was Europe was beginning to happen then and you could go everywhere without a visa and, st and it was opening up and I remember when I was 16 or something or other I was in England and the first tourist going to Spain was happening and that was um, in 61 or something or other so all that concept was happening that the concept of traveling and the freedom and whatever and so I thought I could do it when I retired. And mm. I still wouldn't mind. Yeah, um, I wouldn't mind throwing off 
you know, the need for security. You know, I, 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 yeah, I think we all have a need for security and it limits, you know, the idea of life is a journey, not a destination. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, most of us head for a destination, the three-bedroom semi in wherever, in a nice neighborhood with schools for the kids. So you've planned out, by doing, buying that house, you've planned out the next 20 years, really, in your life. Mm. And, uh, and you're supposing that everything will stay the same and nowadays they don't stay the same yeah not really and so it's better to be more fluid how you do that is tricky i suppose really yeah you know? yeah um, yeah is that um i'm sorry for stopping and i don't want uh, it's i think it's we get afraid and or we begin to see the dangers you've done things now that you wouldn't do um, now, I mean, but you've probably done it 10 years ago or, you know, jumping off something or mm. you, you check it out. I mean, cliffs is one thing that I go out to Holt now and I see people <laughs> standing on and there's a sheer drop and I'm not good on the distance, but there's a sheer drop to the water. Mm. And I'm thinking, do they know that that's only a ledge going out? <laughs> and um, I wouldn't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. But I would have done this previous. I mean, as a kid, you do it. And even, you know, growing up and things like that, you take risks. Um, and But you learn. So life sometimes can make you more afraid. Yeah. And if you give in to the fear, then you will limit the life experiences that you can have. Yeah. I, I would think you've been a very good example of someone who's not done that. Though. Just with, like, the fact you've been willing to, like, move around and change career path from, like, the restaurant industry to then becoming an actor. They're pretty big brave decisions well I always wanted to be an actor did you I did I had a little stage going in my garage when I was six really <laughs> on a wooden box and the, the high point of was we had curtains that you could open and close if you know what I mean really yeah. and so but at 18 or 17 you couldn't turn around to you. I was jealous of six there was no way I could turn around to my father and say I want to be an actor I remember a girl once who was a, f a niece of a friend of my mother's coming down from Belfast and she was with Belfast accent saying, oh, she was going to be an actress. And I looked at her in awe that you could actually say that out loud if you could think it. So I went into the hotel business and I was lucky. I got a scholarship into called Bruce Street and it paid for everything for like three years. And so I thought that was a sign from God. I was very religious at the time. Mm. It was a sign from God that I was to do hotel management. And I loved hotel management, really. I yeah. did. It's a performance as well, but it's. I like the both the organizational thing and the performance thing. I like how they mix. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's um yeah, it's very good because you have to be practical in the hotel business. Mm. But you also have to be mine host, so you get opportunities to do both. Mm. And um, so it was good. And being it was just when you were talking about about the like in the performance and the kind of the more practical side of it as well. Did you ever and being religious, did you ever consider like being a priest absolutely did you I went to Ross Gray mm. and it's run by the Cistercians and and it was hilarious really Is uh, there's huge pressure the, the word vocation was always associated with priesthood it was not it wasn't a vocation to be a scientist <laughs> yeah <laughs> and the pressure was on but we had um, visitors from American diocese and um, who were the worst one possibly was for, was from Savannah Georgia and um he came and he had slides, which at that time would be, you know, this is 63. And so it was all very technical and, and very impressive. 
and he was saying, you know, and, and this is the house you'll have with air conditioning, and he showed a picture of the air conditioning unit and a car, and he said, you love Savannah. He said, we dyed the Savannah River green for Patrick Stanton. <laughs> and here we were, all these idealistic, you know, we're heading into the hippie era, and you know, we were going to save the planet and go to South America maybe and work with the poor if we were doing anything, but we didn't want to live a middle-class life in Savannah, Georgia. Yeah. And, uh, but they pay for you to go to college. You want to stay here, and so you, um, yeah, it was, uh, no, it was, you were p pressured, and some people did. Um, I don't know anyone who stayed. I, I, I think some people became priests, but they're all married with kids now, really. Right. And they actually did go through this one guy who's one, I won, a really lovely, lovely man who went as a priest to South America, and then he got involved with, the workers and uh, there is a whole thing, uh, um, you know, that happened down in and uh, then he left and he's still doing the same work, but he's married with kids. Mm. And uh, so um, we, uh, there was a great idealism. We weren't as cynical, I think, as your generation is, mm. um, because I mean, uh, you'd be mad not to be cynical. Isn't yeah, because <laughs> we can see like, yeah, yeah, it's more obvious and it's, you know, the Facebook and yeah. all of the stuff and whatever. But fake news isn't new news. Fake news has always been there, um, really, is that um, it's only now, I think, that you rely. I mean, have you ever been involved in a story that's happened? Mm -hmm. I don't have, uh, you know, that, and it's in the paper? No, no. All right, well, any time I have is that they never quite got the story right. There was things they left out. Oh, I see, yes, so I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, they came from an angle that it wasn't the right angle that I had seen it from and mm. I would have known some of the people involved and mm. stuff like that. So I suppose, I mean, I loved reading the papers. I, 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 um, I don't know whether it's a, yeah, I like reading papers. Mm. And, um, but I think it's always, you have to learn how to filter. Yeah, but it's more tricky now because there's more stuff out there. You yeah. Know, really, it's incredible now, really. Yeah. Is, you know, is... Theresa May going to join up with the DUP or is Trump going to do his state visits or all of this stuff. I mean, if you were trying to think about it at all, you'd go mad, you know. Yeah. So. And just like, yeah. And I'm asking you this question because you have the benefit of like years of experience that I don't have. But like I, everything feels to me in my lifetime like this is a bit crazy right now. Like you having yes. that more life experience, does it yeah. feel like that to you as well? No, it is. It, this know, is no, mad. Is. I sometimes think it's old man syndrome that you know, you can read about 1600s, you know, there's somebody, an old man, and saying the world's gone to pot and it'll all blow up in the yeah, next yeah. generation. <laughs> <or something. laughs> and which is what we're saying now. And so I thought it was old. No, is that I wish I could give the spirit, and not in Ireland, I have to say, in London of the 60s. I was there in the mid-60s. The idea that you actually could change things, and it was very, very strong. Mm. But coming back to Ireland then was like time traveling. I think the 60s didn't happen until the 90s in Ireland. Really? really? Yeah. Is that? But the sense of hope and progress and, you know, achievement, um, really the feeling that we, we probably are able to do more now and than we could have done then. But uh, it's my opinion that Thatcher and Reagan arrived and they decided no. And now you have... The insecurity that people they can't afford a mortgage is you have no our contracts is that you've no con when I got a job I mean you could get a job when I was a, a kid 
really, and even on your primary search. Mm. Now to get a decent job, you need your masters. I mean, really, is that, and so you're being filtered out because you can't afford it, and so your opportunities. But um, but then you can't get a decent contract. Uh, I mean, if I got a job when I was 20, it was a job for life unless I decided that I was leaving. Mm -hmm. It was my decision. Um, But now the employers have you down. Yeah, yeah, I think the employers have realized how to use the welfare state, and they're actually being subsidized. To have no hour contracts, say if somebody gets 15 hours a week or something or other, okay, is that the state will pay the other three days. So basically, it's not um, it's not the worker that's getting subsidised. It's the employer who won't employ somebody for forty hours. Yeah, where's the motivation for them to give them five days? Yeah, or like, to yeah, yeah. Yes, sorry, I see what you mean yeah, to give yeah. them more than fifteen hours on that contract. Yeah, but uh, but it's still a contract. I didn't sign any contract. I mean, I worked in five star hotels in London in the sixties. Is that I got the job and I was on the payroll and that was it. Yeah, uh, and so it's there wasn't no question of time. Mm. Um, where there is now and they're underpaying I mean and and people are taking jobs because they um, yeah because it's better than the dole mm. but it's still yeah I think it needs to change the Bernie Sanders and the, the, the uh, Corbyn's and whatever I wish they could get control a little bit and or some of their philosophy get in mm. our lives are dead short I mean I'm not being funny mm. is that you may think it goes on forever but I'm 73, and if I'm very lucky, I might, or 72, I might live, say, until I'm 100, max. Mm-hmm. But if you take 100 years out of the millennium, it, the world has been here, it's only, it's not even a second. And so to have people in Syria up a mountain on, under a tarpaulin and in a cave or some starving, I mean, what a way to spend this 100 years. Even, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. We don't, we don't value life. Because if we valued life, we, everyone born should, you know, be looked after well and have the best benefit out of the life before they died. Mm. You know, it's difficult to explain, really. Um, it's such a short time. You imagine buying a ticket for a five-star hotel, say, for example, and then you find yourself in the basement with no windows and it's dark. And then you, th- then they come down after the twenty-four hours that you book your room for, and say that's over. But imagine your life was like that. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. had expectations that you could do this, that, and that, and and I think it's systemic. I think the system prevents people. Is that somebody who has, you know, half a billion yachts, is overdoing it? If you understand me, and so could not some of that half a billion, you know, could he have a smaller yacht? <laughs> Yeah. The rest of us have kayaks or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we're not. We're, you know, we're drowning, if you know what I mean. And he's got his half a billion. There are half a billion euro yachts. Isn't that incredible? Isn't it, really? Wow. You know, so um, yeah, anyway. and uh, yeah. I think one reason I don't want to be rich, really, I don't think I could take the responsibility. Really? Yeah, how could you look after all the things that are going wrong in the world? Yeah. Like, I mean, I've, I've cried coming home on cold winter nights and somebody begging. I mean, really, I've, I've walked up to a guy who's, you know, like, you know, you know can you get something change for the hostel? And I've said to him, how much is a hostel? And he said, 20 euros. I said, there's 20 euros. Now go to a hostel. Yeah. Get off the street. I, because it affects me. Mm. Um, and to, yeah, it does affect me. Yeah. Well. And. <laughs> no, it's just, you're 
this is this is all you're just super articulate and it's kind of beautiful, yeah. Anyway, so we go on to the next question. Let's next question. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Here we go. <laughs> we could talk about that. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I know you really could. You really could. All right. Next question though is number fifty-two. I don't think I have that. No. No worries. Okay. Question is anyway. Uh, do you believe in an afterlife? Um, I don't know. Don't know. Yeah, I don't know, and nobody knows. Yeah. And it, um, I do think there's paranormal things mm. really, and so whether that's something to do with afterlife, I don't know. Yeah. Um. And um. Imagine if you're, if, if, when you were in your mother's womb, mm. okay, and you had no awareness about what was that you were just there, and I don't know how conscious one is or isn't, mm. but um, but you were born, and there was a whole lot of things there organized to help you to survive, and now you're a big strapping lad, and uh, you got here, if you understand. So in a way, that's why, if there is an afterlife, I think you should think of yourself as an embryo in this life and that is just getting ready for next life and it'll all be looked after when you get there yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but why worry about it when you don't know anything about it yeah you know, really is try and make the best of this life I love living mm. I love it I mean really is that you know that I can open and close my hand yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> those atoms will never be able to do that again <laughs> yeah yeah that is magic when you can yeah, break yeah, it down that, that simple yeah, you know you know you can I I can say, move your hand, and I don't even have to look at it. I can look away, and yeah. the hand's moving. Yeah, yeah. But isn't this fantastic? Really, it is. Yeah, and so enjoy what you got when you have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing. And, and when you know, when from from before when you're talking about when you were um, more like traditionally, I suppose, like Catholic, was it when you? Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. What, what? What? Like, has your like? So I asked you an afterlife there, and that was the gorgeous answer about like the embryo. But when you were in that place in your life, what what was your view of like an afterlife I assume like heaven then versus like now I don't think I, you see you get so much propaganda and you just accept it that's the way it was I mm. mean really I mean adults give you the spiel um, I play Santa Claus at Christmas and it's really funny to see parents telling their kids the same story that I was told if you understand me but there, it's um, but it's the biggest lie parents tell their kids. How do kids ever believe parents yeah. when they find out that Santa Claus is a lie? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's a, well, Santa Claus thing is very good. Okay, really, as an example, is that I don't know what age you were when you believed in Santa, but mm. you believed it to a certain age, and yeah. then either you found out through friends or from your parents. Literally through Friends, the TV show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how I found out. They, they had said it in Friends, and I think I was about 11, and I watched an episode of Friends, and I was yeah. like, oh, no. But anyway, sorry to interrupt you. I just... Yeah. No, mine is even worse, but it's how I found out. But anyway, is that... It's actually a question on the sheet. <laughs> how did you find out? Go and tell me. We'll, we'll go well, back I'll to tell it. you the story. Yeah. Is that... Um, my father um, was telling us to go to bed and uh, I was seven and my brother was five. Mm. And um, I said, tell us a story. And he said, um, what story would you like to hear? And I said, tell us a story about Santa Claus. And there was a pregnant pause. I didn't, you know. And he said, um, he's not true. And I said, what do you mean? Oh, he said, just parents do it for their kids. And the reason he told was because he believed in Santa Claus until he was 12 and somebody started jeering at him. Uh -huh. And then he said he was protecting us from that, but it was a bit premature. Mm. And, but I was in primary school in first class or something, but my brother was in kindergarten, went into kindergarten the next day. 
and announced to all the kids that there was no such thing as Santa Claus. His father, we had a queue of parents outside our door giving out shit about my father telling the money. <laughs> so he regretted it. And my mother didn't talk to him, I think, for a week or something. Well, oh, they gosh. were blowing the whole thing. Yes, oh, wow. Yeah, so, That's but he, he meant well, but he was a bit like that. Yeah. His meaning well could get you into terrible trouble. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know the way somebody wants to do the right thing, and sometimes the right thing is not the right thing to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> come here, sorry, I interrupted, That's I'm glad I interrupted for that story, though, but <laughs> I interrupted you about, you were saying that, we, I was asking about, we were talking about, like, so heaven, and then you were talking about Santa, how it was a good yeah. example of what... Yeah. Well, you believe everything you're told, mm. really, is that... Um, I was 27 and I still was trotting off to mass and whatever. Um, There's a story that could... Anyway, but... Uh, Dude, is, hey, no, these are amazing. That, well, there's one to. story is that I was in London and I was a latecomer to having sex as well, really, is mm. that um, I... And, and I had friends uh, I used to play tennis with and um, the... Um, I, I, I told one is uh, that I, I looked at my watch and I said, no, I, I, I have to go to mass. And he said, what do you mean you're going to mass? You're shagging away every night and you go to Mass. Well, I said, the logic of it is that shagging away is a mortal sin. <laughs> but why commit two mortal sins by not going to Mass? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, they cancel each other out. I don't you. know. I don't know if, yeah, yeah, I don't know. But, um, yeah. yeah, is that, um, but I held on to religion really until about 27. Mm. And then I had huge emotional uh, things, practical things happening. And there were, it was going, I think it was 26 really. But it was happening. Um, and so I went to see a priest. Um, and he said, I'm really sorry, Liam. I'm late for the match already. Can I talk to you again? And that was the end of me. I thought, you know, and I had looked after this priest. Uh, and, you know, I'd when he was in embarrassing situations where he'd had too much drink and stuff, I had taken him out of the situation because I was managing hotel and I'd bring him home to the presbytery and ring the bell and put him in the door. So I had been a good friend to him at times. Yeah. And here I needed a friend and it was, um, and I, nobody talked to but him. And so I thought, I, I, I stopped going. Wow. Isn't it incredible that like a moment of where all you needed was a, a, a small bit of kindness, yeah. yet that was, is enough to change someone's faith, really? Yeah, um, yeah I, I mean, I grew up with, uh, you know, faith is a great gift. And uh, I mean, sometimes I think about that because you learned it. I mean, uh, you know, we, I, I was only in boarding school for two years, but, um, but it was the monks and it was yeah, and very profound and very lovely people, really and truly, but very steeped in the religion. Mm. Um, and I went back um, for a 50th anniversary and uh, a couple of years ago now, and, uh, and they're still there. I don't know how they can believe. I mean, I look at the Pope and I wonder, how can he possibly believe what is being taught in the name of the religion? He's, I can, how can you believe in the blessed, you know, the virgin birth or... The virgin birth is one. I think that's offensive to all women. Basically, it's saying that if you have a normal birth, you're unclean, if you understand, because that's mm. what it implies. Mm. Okay. And so I think that's horrendous. I mean, y you know, can she not have a normal birth or whatever? Mm, yeah. And um, But th th there's a whole lot of stuff which is uh, nonsense. And if you go to the Old Testament, it's absolutely crazy. 
And the other thing that I wonder about religion is that in the Catholic Bible, which I would have grown up with, it says that he was here to, he was the Messiah and he was here to replace the Mosaic law. Hmm. Well, so if the Mosaic law is gone, why do we have the Ten Commandments? That's Moses and Ten Commandments. And Jesus quoted in the Bible says, you know, love God and, um, and love your fellow man. Those are the two commandments. And forget about the ten. But you don't hear anyone saying, oh, now we have the two commandments. You don't. Mm. They're talking about the ten commandments and they're going back to a period which Jesus, if, you know, if he is as they say he is, was supposed to change. And so, you know, it's con job. Yeah, well, well, well. <laughs> I don't know where this is going to be on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll get to the Pope. <laughs> yeah. He'll be excommunicated before yeah. we know. Right, should we go on? Yes. We'll have another spin. Okay, here we go. Oh, one came right out. Okay, here we go. Number 33. I don't think I have it. That's okay. No. No worries. Our question is What is your least favorite word? Whatever. Really? Um, yeah, I think it can be very offensive. Yeah. Um, is that um, I have a Polish friend and he used uh, that expression and I said, you know, that just doesn't mean what, whatever. It's kind of very dismissive if you use it. Mm. You know, if somebody says something and you say whatever to them, it's put down. So, I mean, I'm, uh, I just picked that one. But I mean, there's an awful lot of words I don't like. No, it's a good example. It is yeah, a good example. Yeah. But yeah. whatever can be so dismissive but you can't yeah you can't nail somebody for yeah. it you, you can't could, say yeah. you arrogant bastard or something because all, all i said was whatever yeah yeah it is kind of like you could say anything to me it wouldn't affect me you could literally say whatever you know yeah yeah yeah, it's yeah that's a good yeah. that's a really good one yeah, it's yeah. That, so um yeah that's the one yeah okay yeah. all right see some of them are so like boom and then other ones yeah. you got to talk about yeah it's great okay so number five we don't have number five okay well no worries question is as a child what did you want to be when you grew up uh, I think an actor, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah, With the I stage think an actor, the... really, is that... Um, and I, I don't know if I took it quite serious enough, really, is that... Um, but no, my inclinations were in that direction, mm. is that I read a lot, and... Um, yeah, and, and, and the physical things I did. And, um, like, even, you know... I would do a circusy thing with barrels and swings and hoops at, at summertime, and really we'd be all training. And you know, can you walk on a barrel? Can you? Mm, <laughs> wow! No, 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 I can't do it. <laughs> no, you, I don't know if I can now. But yeah, yeah really. Yeah. Wow. And <coughs> if you um, so w when did you do your first professional play or film? Who um was. I got a walk on okay. that in um, in the gate for the true story of the horrid popish plot. I had given up the hotel business um, and I'd gone back to Trinity to do business studies. Mm. But the real reason I'd gone back was to get into Trinity players ah. because there was no proper training at the time. People were being trained, but it was I didn't think it was very good. But also from Trinity, you got into the gate or the abbey. And um, so I did... It, two plays there, I, um, uh, you know, three Pinter plays. I did one of them, and we did Congrees Love for Love, Restoration Comedy. And then I was in the green room, and in Trinity at the time, Players isn't where it is now. You came into the arch, and you meant immediately right, 
mm. and in the corner there was but anyway the phone rang and it was the gate and they said they wanted three four spear carriers and I hung up the phone. I said, the gate wants three spear carriers <laughs> because I was going to be so <laughs> first. <laughs> so <laughs> I, they couldn't see me for dust getting up. To, and yeah. so literally the first time I went on a professional stage was as a spear carrier. Wow. I am guarding Oliver Plunkett, played by David Kelly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and it ran and ran and ran because it was about Oliver Plunkett and Charles II and Catherine of Braganza. That's how I know Catherine of Braganza as yeah. well Charles II's wife. And uh, Aileen Hart, who was playing Catherine, uh, I used to say, she said, I love this place. She said, this is why I became an actress. Look at my lovely dresses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like she had three changes of dress or something yeah. for the night. So that's why Aileen Hart. And she was always given parts in Tulkaro with a fag and a turban on if you understand me yeah. and so but she had become an actress for that reason. and so I, I was lucky then I got in um, I got as a bit player assistant stage manager in the gate and I was a bit player and then I became stage manager and uh, yeah so that was yeah and what age were you when this was happening when the you went 27 back? yeah 26 27 oh so you were yeah. quite early yeah. yeah yeah it was yeah then and this is okay this is a a, a weird question that I'm going to ask but what kind of cuz okay so you know when you when you're an actor like me as a, as a young actor now I played a lot of leading ma male roles yes, okay yeah, yeah. And then as you get older, like, a lot of your parts, like, we talk about this, like, a lot of your yeah. parts will be, like, granddad, yeah. old man, yeah. patient. It'll be things yeah. like that. But when you were, a, you know, a, a, a younger actor, yeah. what kind of roles did you play and what kind of roles were you suited right. for? Is that I um, actually, you see, like, in Trinity at the time, at 27, mm. I was older than every. I was a mature student. I suppose, yeah. So I played the match seller in um, the match seller pinter play, mm. um, which was... Uh, a non-speaking part, really, with Jean Ann Crowley, and um, and I can't remember the guy who played her husband, but um, it was a lovely part. I literally, you were a match seller. I didn't understand the play at all, but I mm. knew what I had to do in it. If mm. you understand me, and I had to go. She started molesting me at one stage, and I start. I had to go. Oh, right. But also, I had to cry, and um, it was very difficult to come from nothing to cry. And, mm. and so, what I did was. I looked at a spotlight and um, when she came to do her attacking on me is that all I did was close my eyes and they had welled up with tear and so there I am looking like I'm absolutely super tears flooding down the tricks of the trade <laughs> yeah, yeah but it was the spotlight God yeah <coughs> and I did a few play yeah bit parts I wasn't playing the lead ever really I the, where I played the lead, it's funny enough, before I um, I gave up the restaurant business and I had, I'm trying to think, I had done a year with John Breen. Now, I'm in my 50s at this stage, is that I had done a play with John Breen and I, I, I'd done a course. He did a thing in Ring's End. And he's Milo Breen's brother and he's now in the States. Mm. But a wonderful course. And um, that summer I was asked to play Ham in Cork in Endgame. Mm. Huge role. And um, and so I used to go up and down to Cork and we did it in the Granary. And that's actually the best part that I've ever played. And it was superb and it was really got good. But it was before I went actually to do acting school and I've done all sorts of masters and, sh and stuff since. Mm. 
And so, um, but it was very good and it was very well received. The director, after the opening, I used to be tired traveling up and down to Cork and, and stuff like that. And some of the people in Cork wouldn't, you know, I'd be on time and they wouldn't be on time. And so, um, but um, after the opening night, she came down, she'd been up in the box and uh, she came down and she said, you bastard. And I said, why, why, why? And she said, you never gave me any of that in rehearsals. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew, uh, yeah, I got it. I nailed it, if you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was good. It was really, and it was great. It ran for I don't know a week or something or other. And um, um, but then you go to you go to drama school, and then I think it drains. I don't know the, the buzz out of you. It's focused on exams and tests, and mm. uh, sometimes it cannot be the best thing. You know what I mean? Is yeah. I I think that. Maybe they should intern people who are in acting schools that they're in contact with the trade all the time. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. I don't think that'd be great. Yeah, great. Let me just do a little time check. All right, we're coming coming to a ten. I think we have time for two more rows. Are you okay to do that? Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. All right, this has been great. Thank you so much. All right, this next one is number eighteen. I know it's not fair. I want to get to ask you a question. I know. I don't think you're gonna get to. All right, <laughs> <laughs> number eighteen. Um, what is the gre- greatest lesson you've learned about acting? Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't think you can teach it, really. I think you can create the space that people can allow their talent to develop. But they have to have the talent. Mm. They have to. Um, I know that sounds, you know, anti-drama schools. It's not anti-drama schools. Mm. It's just uh, we don't live in a world. Like, if I do a drama workshop, I try and create a space that is... Is, is different from others where you won't be judged anything you do is fine mm-hmm. and uh, and it gives people the freedom to find out you know what they can actually do um, and that allows you then to be able to get into another character I think it, uh, that's uh, I th- but I think you need the talent mm. I think it's innate really and uh, and it's just developed you can't get somebody and then push you know get them to be an actor yeah um, anyway, that's I think. Anyway, there's a, if we could talk forever on this, but I think the education sometimes is education too many people to be in, in yeah, to go, uh, for an industry that can't absorb them all. Yeah, and it's very sad, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, doctors control, surgeons control, lawyers control the amount of people who are coming into that, so people get a decent wage. Mm-hmm. But I mean, sometimes, you know, I mean, today I was looking at something, uh, you know, um, there's, there's a web page for acting jobs or something or other, and the amount of not paid, not paid, not paid. I mean, what did, what are we supposed to be living on? You I know. know. You know, anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and you can do that because if you don't do it, somebody else will. That's the thing. It's very hard. Yeah, yeah. It's very hard because y- in theory, you should make the stand yourself and, yes, and say, oh, yeah. well, I'm not yes, supporting yeah. that. Yeah. But that can be difficult sometimes. Yeah, and it means that you miss an opportunity or to work with somebody or whatever, you know, really. And uh, I sometimes wonder maybe if, I know an actor would disagree with me, but maybe smaller parts in plays are overpaid that in the, you know, the Abbey and the Gate, maybe if they brought down that, they could have bigger casts or something or other. But just to try and get people that they could, you could actually earn a reasonable income from performing mm. really. I don't know that it's tricky it's very tricky yeah uh, and um, yeah is that 
But I suppose it's the American dream. Some people are successful and some people aren't. You know? Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you, do you find the joy in that thing of like the talent is key or like is... Because I mean, it, I was talking with this with a friend recently, you know, that thi- like it's... I guess they don't they say it's a it, the cliche of like um, wasted talent. Like that's a cliche of like someone who had the talent but didn't work. Yeah. And you need both. But then the, what's really sad is someone who maybe doesn't have that nugget of talent but really works but they just don't have that no, it's, it's t- I think that's awful sad. That's very it, sad, isn't it? No, I think it is that they don't know why they've done everything. Yeah. Um, and so that it should work out, really. is a, But, I mean, if you take me doing Ham, a leading role, it's Beckett, it's really tricky, and I got really good. Um, and that's going back to 1999. It's, tr- it's 18 years ago. And... Um, but I haven't played as good a role since, really. Mm. And so, yeah, it's difficult sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, is that I like directing and I like doing drama workshop. I like making other people, you know, access their talent. Mm. Mm. That was a beautiful answer. All right, let's do our last role. My <laughs> God. Yo, look, come on. Give me one that... Uh, no, I haven't hoped in hell again. I want to give it to you now. Uh, fingers crossed. Number 26. No. I didn't do it. No, you didn't. I'm uh, sorry. You set this up. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, last question. Oh, it's kind of a nice one to end on. When was the last time you said a prayer? I think I pray all the time, really. In really? That, um, yeah, but it's kind of... Um, Actually, if something good happens to me, I always say thank you, God, because that's uh, other people call it the universe or whatever. Mm. Um, and um, so I don't know if I believe in a deity or something, but I do think there are forces out there that, um, y- yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, I um, th- th- that's, oh. yeah. Is that God? He <laughs> 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 answered our prayers. No, don't mind that. Yeah, that's but uh, uh, Neil. Actually, I I had an image of two people who are quite famous in Ireland at the moment. And I, this morning or yesterday or something, about it, is that their public image is very conservative. Actually, that was the word that were mentioned in the paper that he was very conservative. And I thought, you know, <laughs> and they're not quite my age, but they're you know sixty-ish and. Uh, I wondered if they kneeled down and said their prayers before they go to bed, if you understand me. And mm. so I had that image in my head, and and I don't know the answer. But their public persona is that they would be people who would say the rosary at night and kneel down and say their prayers before they went to bed. Mm. And as an adult, I would have never have done that. But, I mean, do adults stop saying their prayers? Mm. Um, and this is somebody who is you know, very associated with religion and conservatism and whatever. Mm. And does he say his prayers? Yeah. yeah. I was just curious. Like, imagine a couple. Imagine your mother and father sitting, d- kneeling down at the bed as they had told you as a child to do, or maybe they didn't. No, they did, yeah. They did, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and do they say their prayers? Yeah. And, um, or do you say your prayers, if you know what I mean, really? Mm. And uh, I don't think anybody says their prayers anymore, but I mean, I, I mean, I, nobody... Yeah, I mean, I haven't knelt down and said my prayers no. for a very, very long time. I used to freestyle. I had one that I, I f- like. I was like a freestyle prayer. It used to be like, uh, "Please God, let Mom, Dad, Richard, and Ben all be okay. Please God, let Granny and Granddad vote alive and in heaven be." It was that. That's yeah. what I used to do. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. and my little pet, my little pet rabbit. Yeah, yeah. Fluffy Hoppy. <laughs> 
Fluffy Hoppy was named my pet rabbit. Oh, lovely. And then yeah. Ish, Ish was the fish because yeah. my brother had a, a speech impediment and he couldn't pronounce his Fs. Yeah, yeah. So he called it Ish, ish instead yeah. of the fish. <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's yeah, good. But you pray all the time. I had an Angora rabbit. Yeah. What? Yeah. An Angora rabbit? Yeah. It had Angora, but it, I inherited this when it had all got knotted. It hadn't been looked after. Mm. And, um, and I made it a job to try and get rid of these knots, which was a very slow process. If you, I suppose I could have gone after it with the scissors. But I had a, we had a big back garden, and so I had to keep them in the garden. And so um, I had to build... And I just was thinking about it the other day. I couldn't have been more than seven or eight, mm. I mean, really. So I built a fence. We had a garden that was surrounded on three... Or a lawn that was surrounded on three sides. And so I built quite long, I mean, about 10 metres long, a fence with poles and... And I put the wire down underneath, but he kept escaping and eating all the neighbor's vegetables. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So I had to get rid of him in the end. Amazing. I don't know where he went, yeah. Ah, well, sure. <coughs> <coughs> yeah, but I don't know what happened. Yeah, or, yeah, maybe we didn't go looking for him some day. He escaped yeah. or something or other. Yeah. But, yeah, so, yeah. but you pray all the time. Well, yeah, I think I do. Yeah, yeah it's nice. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I still do too. Yeah, you do, Is that especially the thank you bit. Um, I suppose in some way, I think, um, I don't pray that, you know, something is going to happen. Because I feel I can cope with that. Mm. And I've, I've been given the means of coping with it. Um, but when um, it works out right, I do say thanks. You know, mm. Because you know um, it could have worked out wrong. Do you know what I mean? Really? Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, yeah, it's... Um, I, I wouldn't regard myself as religious and I don't know what people mean when they say they're spiritual, I mean, really. But I think it's morals. I love the argument, we don't need religion to be moral. Mm. We don't, but it sells itself as without religion, we'd all be shagging on the corner, if you know. <laughs> and what's wrong with us? <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, in a funny way, yeah. But we, we, I don't think there'd be any more robberies or murders than there are. Mm. Is that I don't think... Well, look at America. It's drowning in religion, if you understand me. I mean, and there, it's the highest murder rate in, in the planet, I think, really. You yeah, know? So that's it's, pretty it's, true. It's really scary, yeah. you know. And, uh, and it's four cities I was reading the other day. New Orleans, Chicago, Detroit, and somewhere else. Mm. And that most of the murders that are happening in the States are happening in those four cities. Yeah. yeah. It's so incredible. Yeah, it's a bit like living in the north of Ireland in the 70s, you know, get yeah. the hell out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. Amazing. Well, hey, Liam, thank you so much for doing this. No, I really, really, really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you played Personality Bingo. How was it? How was it for you? Um, lovely. I mean, really. Um, actually, it was very good. We've known each other a bit. Yeah. And actually, I know much more about you and you know a hell of a lot more about me than we would have done before we sat down. That's very true. That's the nice thing about it. Yeah. And um, tell people about, because the, the, one of the things that I saw you do most recently, which is absolutely beautiful, is the film that I saw on the Aer Lingus flight. So maybe just trying to give that a little plug. Um, is this positive discrimination? Yeah. Yeah. Is that... Um, it was a lovely, uh, Carlo Johnson directed it and we filmed it mostly around where I was. And I love the idea of it, of the, this guy who's now the little old man and everyone thinks he mushroomed overnight as a mm. little old man, but he was a right bastard when he was younger. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and so you don't judge the book by the cover, I suppose, really. He's still a bastard in his own way. And, uh, but that's, um, I love playing the part, mm. uh, really. It was... Um, Actually, I'd love to have played 
being the bastard as well, but they had the younger version of me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very good to do. Yeah, really. Is that um, the um, and I I got nominated. I, I mean, really. So Over in L.A. In L.A. for best actor. So yeah. it, that was cool. Really. And well deserved. It was smashing. No, but is that you don't. Yeah, it was easy to do, really. It was, and um, Rushing, um, who was playing opposite me, was lovely, is really, is that, because that's the only one I really played with. Mm. And I'm trying to remember, she has an Irish name, and I can't remember her, uh, yeah, I, her, I, I'm really bad. She's um, on Red Rock, isn't she? She is on Red Rock. Yeah. And, but she was lovely, and we had a chat about it before, and she had to kind of do a semi-strip thing in it, and uh, is... No, it were, and that actually was filmed in in my flat. I mean, really, that is mm. that. Um, no, I I love doing it. I love working. I mm. love being an actor. Mm. I mean, I really really like it. Mm. I mean, I've worked as a chef and head waiter and hotel manager, and, and I've liked them all. Mm -hmm. But the buzz you get from being an actor. I did a reading the other day, and um, and it was just lovely to to be back doing it. Mm. And it was a rehearsed reading, so you could get a bit of. You weren't daddy daddy dying, mm. which I'm inclined to do. Really, I mm. have a, I have to watch my voice. I can be, you know, it can be like a nursery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do this amazing voice. Okay, last last thing. I'm gonna let you go after this. Yes. Promise. Last thing. One quick favorite Santa story. A favorite thing that's happened when you've been Santa. A good. Um. Oh God. Yes. There's probably loads. Um. I just it was overlooked on my part. Um. Can I tell you a waiter story? Please. All right. Is that. The Santas is really is I love to put the attention on the grandmothers. Uh -huh. uh, first of all, is that they don't get that much attention, but also it relieves the pressure on the kids and it gives them time to settle in with you. And you're normal. You're talking to their granny, if you know what I mean, really. Yeah. No, is that my favorite waiter stories. I, I went back to college when I went back to drama school and I had set up a job that I was uh, working and um, as a waiter. And um, one night I um, was serving a table and there was a girl uh, there. I was pouring wine here and there were three guys. The guy beside her, very drunk, and two guys. And I'm in the middle of pouring the wine and he grabbed my leg and he said, um, don't give her any more wine. She's a nymphomaniac. And so I finished pouring the wine to her, left the bottle on the table, took his hand off my leg and put it on his lap. And looked at him and said, "So what's she doing at this table?" <laughs> <laughs> and she kissed me on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> that is a perfectly brick straight end this episode on. I'm very happy. No, so it's better than Santa Claus. Story. Yeah. yeah, really. Liam, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. So guys, that was Liam Burke playing Personality Bingo with Tom Moran. A massive thank you to Liam for taking the time to do it. And a massive thank you to you guys for listening. Also, a huge thank you to the boss woman, Taz Kelleher, for mixing, editing, and producing the podcast. A massive thank you to Connor Nolan for our wonderful artwork. To Liam Moore and Anthony Manley for the theme music. And to Alan, Paddy, and all at the Headstuff Podcast Network for having us. Guys, check us out next week when we have Marina Carr playing Personality Bingo with Tom Moran.
This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.